This is Docs in the Box podcast. A podcast about medicine, muscles, and more through the eyes of two physiatrists. I'm Dr. Amy West. And I'm Dr. Matthew Cowling. So this is Docs in the Box. Welcome, everybody, to another episode. We're here with Lieutenant Ron Perez of the NYPD and NYPD CrossFit, as well as the notorious Sin Martinez. Oof, man, um, I got that already. Woo! <laughs> <laughs> um, so how I came into contact with, with both of you is um, through NYPD CrossFit. And you guys have teamed up to work with uh, to help unite the, the police and the local communities and bring them together through fitness events. So uh, we'll be talking about that today. So first, uh, I'm going to have uh, each of you introduce yourselves um, and then tell us a little bit about how you connected with each other. Sin, you go first. Ron, you have the best story, man. Cut it out. Oh, God. You're so only practiced, so go for it. So, so, so I'm Lieutenant Ronald Perez with the NYPD. I've been with the NYPD for now 18 years. Uh, started NYPD CrossFit about two years ago. Uh, what was it? August of 2018. Um, and then uh, Sin and I came into contact with each other because I saw a post that he had put on his page that we were following. He was following us on Instagram. And I saw the post and it seemed really rational to me. It was at the height of the uh, George Floyd protests and it was about communication and getting along and i reached out to him and the next thing you know we were in an hour-long conversation is that it that's the edited version uh yeah because i want you to add to it (laughs) so uh i am sid martinez um i've done crossfit since 2007 Uh, i was one of the first to do it clearly in the hood but definitely uh, on the east coast so um i went to some of the first uh seminars ever crossfit uh, gymnastics, CrossFit endurance, uh, Olympic weightlifting with Coach B, uh, either on the East Coast. So, you know, uh, I kind of started there. Uh, in terms of Ron and I, when he reached out, you know, of course he wasn't expecting me to do anything but message him, but I instant chatted immediately and then I uh, got his number and we spoke. Um, the post he's talking about, it was, we got to find a way. You know, of course, I, I dropped the F-bomb, but I'm like, you know, we got to find a way. So um, the first thing was, like, should we deal with CrossFit or what's going on with that? And he kind of wanted my opinion on it, and I gave him mine. And it was, let's just see what these guys do, you know. <laughs> let's see if they're going to do the right thing, and let's just kind of hold tight. But from there on, we were just like, hey, let's just try to figure out a way to put some events together. Because for Ron and for everyone that's like Ron or, or people that are in different parts of the CrossFit community, we just unite over fitness. Like, we don't necessarily care about your political background. We don't care about your gender. We don't care about your sexual orientation. It's, uh, was that squat to depth? Was that, was that below depth? Did you step on that box and get full extension? Like, what's up? So it's been super simple for me and I've been able to be in this community for a very long time based on just the, some of those simple ruler, simple rules, you know, what's your time, what's your this, what's your that, you know, nothing about uniting anything other than that kind of fraternity of pain that we all refer to. So that's pretty much how we got together. Yeah. So can you guys tell us a little bit about what exactly you're doing? Um, so you got together through social media and what kind of events are you guys doing and what's kind of the goal behind it? So the, the first event that we did was uh, July 7th, and we went up to uh, Morningside Park, 
in Harlem. And the, the idea behind it was that I would bring athletes from NYPD CrossFit, all police officers, and we would go up there and we would work out with members of the community. So Sin would bring in uh, kids from the Harlem Jets, which is a youth football organization, and kids from the community, kids that he mentors. And we would team each one of those kids up with a police officer and we would run a version of Fight Gone Bad or whatever it was based on whatever equipment we were able to get our hands on. And we did that. Now we're up to our fifth or sixth one already. And we have another two or three coming up already uh, this week and next week. And I think the ultimate end goal to this is for us to establish free boxes for cops and kids around the city and members of the community, not just kids, you know, for their grandparents and for their parents as well. Okay. Because of the communities that we're talking about here, everybody always hears the term food desert, but what they don't hear is that these are fitness deserts. These are health deserts. You know, we live in New York city, a city of 10 million plus people where the average cost of a box is two twenty-five a month for an unlimited membership. Some boxes being $400 a month. Now you've, you, by having those prices, you've eliminated a gigantic segment of the city, you know? So what we're trying to do is at some point, some way, somehow establish free boxes where police officers can get in there and work out for free, take care of themselves while interacting with the community in a non-job related uh, setting that's just centered around fitness. Um, if I jumped in on that, I would say I concur with everything. Um, we definitely, and I've had these conversations with plenty of people. Uh, Glassman was one of the first. So Greg Glassman came to Harlem in 2009, and we kind of just thought and brainstormed what would it take to get more people in the community into CrossFit or at least into health and wellness. And I said, Greg, this just got to be free, man. Like, <laughs> We can't, we can't charge anything. We got to come on sweat equity. We've got to come with, you know, oh, you can't pay this membership, take out the trash, uh, sweep the rug, you know, whatever it is, we've got to come up with other parameters other than money to figure out how to do these communities and how to do these gyms. Because I'll tell you, I found so many amazing athletes um, just by providing one of the lowest cost gyms in the city. I charged a hundred dollars. If you, it was $100 unlimited, if you were FDNY, if you were a cop, if you were EMS, if you were a teacher, if you were a college kid, 100 bucks unlimited, but I got the best out of you. I pushed you to your limit. I asked you to do things you would not normally do in any CrossFit gym or any gym around the world. And I did that because it, would, it kind of became my test center for how, what would it what would it take to adapt this community to CrossFit? What would it take to adapt this community to functional fitness? And as long as we had that sweat equity there where you came in and it, let's say you couldn't pay this month, okay, buy some water, buy some protein, you know, go to one of the local youth centers and volunteer. Like I always tried to come up with something that was a little bit more than about money. It was about who are you as an individual? What are you doing to help your community? So we're just kind of expanding on these ideas that Ron and I just talk all the time and I don't want anyone to think we both hold each other to very high standards. If I Absolutely. call Ron and ask him to do something, he's got to do it. If he calls me and asks me to do something, I got to do it. We're on such a bigger mission. That's a long-term 
investment for both of us uh-huh. that we have to keep everything totally above board. Doesn't matter what it is. And him and I, we don't agree on everything, but we understand the mission and we both take our own, our separate approaches to get to the same goal. Yeah, and I think this is especially important now because now that, that whole, the whole pandemic has occurred and the, the biggest risk factor for having complications and death from, the, from COVID-19, poor metabolic health, right? So mm-hmm. that's why we've seen such health disparities and, and outcomes because metabolic health are, are issues surrounding uh, access to care and interaction with the medical system that has led to some poor outcomes um, in these communities, especially the communities where you guys are going and, and doing these events been invited to these events they're awesome to see by the way certainly you get a lot, a lot of kids come out people all of all ages trying it it's great and it's 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 I, the way i see it is sort of like mobile healthcare clinics so instead of bringing uh you know blood pressure machines or bringing fitness to these communities um which is pretty it's been a pretty uh great thing to see um so going forward in the future do you have, like what what do you what do you hope sort of how, what this grows into? What's what's kind of? Do you have anything kind of planned as far as future ideas? Uh, well, I mean, Ken, so, I mean, one of the things that we're hoping for is, and Dr. West has been one of our supporters. We met at CrossFit Bridge and Tunnel at a competition called uh, Battle on the Border, and I introduced myself to Dr. West and bribed her with one of our shirts. And <laughs> oh, here's the truth. Now the truth comes out. Oh, listen, hey. It's amazing what a shirt will do in a CrossFit community. <laughs> oh, I know. So, oh, I know. <laughs> so, so I I gave Dr. West one of our uh, one of our shirts, and we just had this great conversation. And then, you know, we started interacting more with Dr. West, and now she's introduced Northwell Health into the conversation. You know, and what we're trying to do here is. It would be great. It would be absolutely outstanding and awesome to have those free uh, gyms for cops and for community members. But what else can we do in that space? Can we have nutritional counseling? Can we have health screenings? Can we have, uh, uh, you know, COVID is not going to be the, the, the last pandemic that we experience as a, as a global. Mm. So, you know, what can we do to help stem that tide of poor metabolic health? Because it's not just going to be about, you know, uh, your, your PR or your friend time. You know, I had a kid that comes to the community center that I, that I help run tell me that you can't out train a bad diet. And this is a 17 year old kid who plays basketball, who lives in a food desert, you know, who's looking for good foods to eat. And he has to travel outside of the community to get those foods. So if we can bring a fitness center, if we can bring a CrossFit box, functional fitness, and that training into the community, can we also bring in healthcare? Can we bring in healthy eating and food and nutritional counseling and so on and so on? What else can we do? So I envision at some point in the future, those boxes, not just being boxes, but being centers of health. Mm. I love it. My long term on this, it's it, there's some selfishness in there. So this might be the first time I'm saying this, but the reason why I bring actual teams and athletes to this, because in the community, as you know, basketball courts are everywhere. Football is somewhat, somewhat considered good, um, but there's lacrosse, there's squash, there's uh-huh. golf, there's 
tennis, there's racquetball, there's Olympic weightlifting, there's CrossFit, there's swimming, there's rowing, there's skating, there's hockey. You know, I think what happens, especially in communities like the ones we're in, they just get this tunnel vision that there's only certain things or certain opportunities out there. So I selfishly want to be able to grow this as big as we possibly can, giving these children as they get older or kids that are in college now or going to college more options. You twist your ankle, you're a D1 athlete, what do you do now? Okay, well, now you're an Olympic weightlifter or you're a coach for an Olympic weightlifter or you're lacrosse. So that's one. The, there's two other things. One, I believe that we could change the economy of any community. We had four or five different factions and one of them is a gym and not just any gym, but functional fitness, clearly. We had a bodega or a convenience store that was also associated with that gym then they can get the paleo snacks. They can get the keto snacks. Mm -hmm. They can get the, you know, cauliflower snacks. If we also had a grocery store that was also assimilated or affiliated with that, now they got the Whole Foods or, you know, typically a Whole Foods where they get fruits and vegetables. They get everything that they need because in teaching in these schools and in the youth centers for 11 years, I'll tell you, there's always something missing. So, okay, you've got functional fitness, but you're eating McDonald's at home. Okay, great. Okay, we took care of the functional fitness. Now we got some food for you. Your parents are still eating uh, McDonald's at home. Oh, okay. What? Why is that? Oh, the grocery store is too expensive or it's too far or it's not in my neighborhood. But if we could figure out a way to get the functional fitness, the little convenience store so that, you know, you can still feel a sense of I can grab my snacks or whatever it is, but they're healthy choices, healthy snacks, also grocery store, some type of community center where you could throw events and hold, you know, kind of bring some commonality there and some way to attach that to some type of school system or all school systems. I think if we can figure out a way to do that, we can change the economy in each one of these neighborhoods so that it's not food desert. Now we took care of the food desert. We took care of the fitness desert. And we've got to handle this in such a, such a sensitive way or such in a blatant way where there's almost, this is the best choice. This is what's going to change what's going on in our neighborhoods every day. So mm -hmm. it's sort of a two-tier thing for me, only because I've been, I'm on front line with this. You know, I'm boots on the ground with this and I've been doing this a long time. So I know exactly what the issues are. Yeah, I think it's amazing what you guys are doing. Um, and Amy and I talk about this all the time, but one big thing is, you know, the first step is always lowering the barrier of entry to get into CrossFit, whatever that may be, and for whatever population that may be, uh, where that's lacking, getting more people in the door is the most important thing. And then secondly, adding value once they're there. And um, like Ron talked about, you know, adding value in terms of um, nutrition and health screening. And I know one thing, a sin that you've talked about is adding value in the terms of accountability and, and moral values. And I know for a lot of people, sports early on and getting involved in, in some group fitness provides structure. Mm -hmm. um, can you talk a little bit about the role of having structure in, in the lives of the youth and how you think that plays a huge role in the community? Well, I'll tell you this, I'll share a story that'll make sense to you as I say it. Um, one of the first places I taught was, it's called our Children's Foundation. It, uh, it's closed now, but it was on, it's on 125th between Amsterdam and Broadway. Now I got in there because I knew the executive director. I also knew one of the co-founders. So I kind of got in there as the PE coach. And this was pretty primarily an after-school program. 
But the type of program that they had didn't matter if you had one parent, two parent in the household, you had accountability that you had to meet and they had standards. So they would teach about mannerisms at the table. What's this fork versus this spoon? What is this glass versus this glass? I mean, they really broke it down. So to bring me in as the functional fitness guy, it was awesome. I'll tell you, within a month, these kids were fighting over who I thought was my favorite. And then it went as far to, they started calling me dad. Oh, I was like, oh, the dad stuff. Let's go with pops or coach or something. But I'll tell you, when you bring in that type of leadership to children, man, it's, it's everything they think about when they think about a parent. It's everything they think about when they think about a teacher. It's everything that these kids are to a certain extent and maybe this is a new desert, you know, like leadership deserts or something yeah. like that. But when you bring in that type of attentiveness to these children and you actually care and they can tell that you care about them and their, whether it's just their fitness or how their day is going, the entire embodiment of that child and those group of children just change. And it becomes super unified under this little room that we were in doing these little functional fitness things. So I'll say that, you know, when you bring that in, I mean, first of all, there's not a lot of that, but when you bring that in, it just leaves such an impression for these kids that they go home with this feeling. They talk about it with their friends. They talk about it with their parents. They talk about it at school and it just kind of grows. But if there's like 17 of me and 12 of Ron and we're all kind of hitting all these different pockets in the community, that's when we're really creating some serious change. And that's kind of my initiative as well at this point in in my career in life, you want to say this, is to deputize these kids, train these kids, get them to the point where they're able to lead themselves and others if that, you know, if, if it comes down to that. And Ron will tell you, man, like, you know, we were at some event, 143rd in Lennox, and supposedly the best athlete came in, but he had the worst work ethic. So I'm screaming at this kid. I don't care where you're going. I don't care if you're D1 for life. If you can't sit here and give me the accountability for all these people that are here and we move as one as one group, you're nothing to me. You're not really doing what we need to be done here. So I hope I'm answering the question, but for me, it's really trying to show that leadership so that those kids can kind of feel some confidence, some self-confidence, and then just kind of exude that out in everything that they do. Yeah, I like the idea that you said before about having sweat equity. And sweat equity, that's baby. A, that's, a good, that's a good phrase, but you should put that on a t-shirt actually. Okay. Um, <laughs> um, <laughs> give me one of those t-shirts after you no royalties. Um, I was going to say text them your mailing address. Here we go. Here we go. Um, <laughs> um, so another thing um, that, you know, we've spoken about before, uh, Sin, is that, you know, you, when these events get set up, you know, you, you know, some people that are pretty much saying like, I'm not going anywhere where there's cops. It's, not more, gonna it's more than just that. There's a lot yeah, of well, that go I'm, I'm editing that. that. Okay. Yeah, go. but, um, you know, so how, how, I guess, how do you try to get some of those people involved? And then also for the people who have been involved, what's been the, the response from the community, who, the people who've done these events with the police? Like, what, what, what have you heard in, as feedback? That's beautiful. That's a good question. I will tell you, at first, it was almost virtually impossible to get anyone to come out and support this. You know, I've had to yell at people. I've had to stop talking to people. People have blocked me on Instagram and blocked me on text messages because I was relentless. Like, you will show up. This is important. Or just don't ever talk to me again. So 
a lot of that had to go down. And I'm not, I'm not even talking about, let's say, incorrigibles. I'm talking about ambassadors for big brands. I'm talking about companies, uh, fitness companies, big fitness companies and brands. Um, it, it just got to the point where I had to draw a line in this. So the response was super disappointing at first. If it wasn't for Ron, you know, and I, I hate to have to say this, but Ron is like a gift from the gods. Like, this is the best guy ever. I couldn't imagine doing this without Ron. I, I'm, I hate to say that, but I, I'm telling you. You're welcome. that him and I interact with this, like, we're really like brothers in arms on this. Like, we're not playing any games. And once we got the first one kicked off, it was almost like they thought we were lying. Like, oh, this is just going to be this or that. No. Once we put it out that this is what we're doing and we actually made it happen, uh -huh. and the amount of kids that were supposed to show did not show up here, Ron is going to say that sooner or later. But, you know, once they saw us do it and we were just like, okay, we only got seven kids, 30 cops, let's go. We're going to mix it up. And once they saw that, the next one, bam, we had about 40 kids show up and parents came. And it's almost like they didn't believe we were actually going to do this as if this right. was some kind of ploy to get on Instagram. I don't know what they were thinking, but mm -hmm. once we kicked the first one off, got some good media coverage and some news articles and the pictures started to circulate. Oh, 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 this is what you're doing. Well, isn't that what I said? So once we got through the first one, all of them after that have just been awesome. And the feedback has been, man, this is it. When, when's the next one? When's the next one? Now we're, yeah. it's almost like they're pissed off that we leave. Can you just stay here every week? Like we're working on it, but you know, the feedback has been incredible. And these were the people that actually matter. What I, what I started to realize was, the people that had the most disgruntledness about this <clears throat> don't even live in the city. They live in Jersey. They live in Rockland. They live in Westchester. They don't live in Harlem. They don't live in East New York. They don't live where these things are essential and need to happen every day. Also, so also, I mean, yeah, like you were saying, the, the you know, the response that, that we, the, at least the events that I was present at, that, that had great participation um, people kept joining in, people of all ages, people that were just in the park walking around, come, would see what we're doing, want to join in. So um, definitely from what, what I saw, a great response. Um, Ron, you had mentioned, uh, we were talking about this before, um, you know, how police officers, sort of, you know, sort of the perception that from some of the kids that you were working with was that like, they had never seen a, a police officer in shape working out. Yeah. <laughs> um, which uh is kind of how we connected originally it was uh through um the functional fitness seminar that the nypd held mm. um you guys invited me to come speak at that and part of that was um we were talking about how to sort of improve police health because police officers by uh statistically are the most obese profession in mm, the yeah. country which is yeah. actually kind of crazy when you think about the demands of your job right, right. <laughs> so um, the second most obese uh, population uh, is truck drivers who sit mm. all day. So yeah. interesting. Um, but uh, and NYPD CrossFit had sort of initiate the initial kind of um, motivation was police health, right? Uh, mental and physical health. Um, so what what um, 
So what, what are you doing as far as, uh, can you comment as to, as to the, the police health, the participation from, from the police aspect? You know, what's the feedback been from them? How are they sort of feeling about their health? How has CrossFit helped them? So I can really only speak for the, the people that have been training with us. You know, we have roughly 200, 225 members in NYPD CrossFit. Of those, probably about 40 are really active coming to events, uh, training at our box. Um, a lot of them train at private affiliates. And the, the, the issue with New York is, as you will know, living here, is that it takes three and a half hours to travel 15 miles because it's so densely populated. So we only have one physical location and it's difficult for cops to get to that location. So we do a lot of remote coaching uh, we do a lot of online programming, so we have that. But we've had just like such great feedback, you know, uh, people who have lost a hundred pounds, people, you know, cops who were morbidly obese who work out on a regular basis now. Mm-hmm. Um, we talk to talk to our members about nutrition and about mental health, which is huge in the law enforcement community. Um, the feedback from the department has been very positive. You know, the, the, the leadership of the department loves what we've been doing. They, they actually, they, they really like support it. They, they stand behind it. They think it's great that we're going out into the community and doing these things. And they've actually been inviting us, uh, Chief Jeff Madry, who's the chief of community affairs, whom I work for, when we held our first event, you know, I went to my immediate supervisor, which is uh, Inspector Winston Faison, and I said, hey, listen, I said, I'm going to do this thing up in Harlem with this guy, Sin Martinez. You know, can you please let Chief Madry know? So he let Chief Madry know, and Chief Madry's response was, you know what, I'll check it out. I want to see how it works out. As soon as it hit social media, as soon as it hit Twitter, Instagram, Chief Madry calls me up, and he's like, hey, listen, I, you're going to start doing this at every time that I have an event, a town hall, which is an open air event that he hosts or that the department hosts where the police commissioner and the leadership of the department go and they answer questions from the community in a live setting. We're there. He wants us there. He wants us working out with the kids. He wants us engaging and interacting with the community. And we've done two of those so far. We're doing another one in Queensbridge in the Queensbridge uh, public housing development next week, Thursday, you know, so he wants us at these events and the department is really supportive of, of what we're doing with the police health and with these events. That's a great point too, that you bring up about the mental health aspect. I think that that's one thing that previously I may have been overlooked about these group events and CrossFit in general is that, you know, and even in, in police in general, the rate of suicide can be very high mm-hmm. and, um, and depression and anxiety and things like that. And the benefit from these fitness communities on the, the aspect of mental health is huge. Um, listening to some of the things that even Eric Rose has been talking about recently um, and the ability of CrossFit to bring happiness and joy to people and help improve these aspects, I think is huge. Um, so great work on that aspect. Yeah. And like you were, um, you know, like uh, Matt was talking about with, um, you know, Eric, Eric Rosa has spoken to, who's the new, new CEO? He's spoken to, uh, how important CrossFit is for mental health. He's also emphasized uh, a, 
the issue of diversity in CrossFit and um, representation in CrossFit. Um, so, Sin, what are your thoughts about that, either your experience kind of up to this point and sort of what the, the how, what your thoughts are, sort of the new direction um, yeah. that CrossFit appears to be taking? Well, I will tell you that um, as soon as I saw CrossFit, I knew it had to be uptown. I was just like, okay, this is pretty cool. You know, uh, there's a lot going on here. There's a lot to learn from here, which means there's a lot to teach. Um, you know, I've, I've worked in corporate America 25 years, and I was, you know, usually an executive that was, you know, maybe the only black executive or however you want to see that. So I never relied on anyone to deal with diversity. Like, that's my job. You know what I mean? So I, I pretty much took it on my own to say not, it wasn't necessarily about diversity for me. It really was about I'm from Harlem. We got to get some Harlem representation into this place. Mm -hmm. How are we going to do it? So I don't necessarily look at it as diversity. I know that's an issue. I know that's what we're talking about. I really look at it as let's get the best athletes that can compete on the, the highest level possible based on good coaching, good training, good techniques, and understanding how things work. Um, I've never relied on CrossFit to do that. I'm not sure how that sounds, but I just took it as my own personal mission and they've backed me, you know, again, you know, Greg, when I started super early, the old CEO came right to Harlem and said how important it was to do what I'm doing and continue on. So resources were sent my way. People understood what I was doing. They were a part of it. They wanted to be a part of it. You know, probably the most popular shirt I've ever made was the CrossFit Harlem shirt. I've never been able to outsell that thing because it was like, when people got that, they were like, oh, Harlem is with us? Let's go. Like, no one can stop us now. Like, they sort of felt this sense of, man, you know, we can take all the world now. We got Harlem. And uh, that hasn't really changed. So I like what I'm hearing in terms of direction. I'm not putting on any own, on anyone's ownness to do that or speak towards that, but myself, honestly. Um, it'd be great to have more help. It'd be great for everyone to just kumbaya this, but I'm not waiting for anyone to do that. This has been my personal mission from day one, and I'm just continuing with my, my trend, my mission, and we need more resources. So if he's about that, you know, I could give him my number. He could text me, you know, let's get started. If he really wants to put some resources into that, let's go. But I'm not going to wait for no one. You know what I mean? I got Ron. I hate saying this, right? But I got Ron. And uh, this is what we're doing every day. We argue and fight and laugh about this every single day. And I try to make this fun for Ron because it's fun for me to do this. You know, I've got, we got custom stuff coming from different companies that I've had relationships with for a long time. And uh, this is how we're going to go forward with it. And I'm not waiting for anyone, but it'd be nice to get some help. So I just want to say something real quick. I understand that uh, Eric Rosa had a Zoom town hall a few days ago. And one of the th ideas that he proposed was having almost like boys and girls clubs in a CrossFit setting or a CrossFit setting where it was geared towards kids, where kids would have it almost as an after school program. And I think that's a great idea, but I think... I think people in the CrossFit community and Mr. Orosa may be missing a, a little opportunity here, or they may miss, be missing the point. 
because here, and I said this to Sin, it's almost like you have two injured parties, okay? You have underserved communities, and you can say communities of color, but it's underserved, underserved communities, okay, that feel that they've been wronged by the justice system. We saw what happened in uh, Minneapolis with uh, Mr. Floyd, all right? And people that have been treated differently by the justice system. On the other side of that, you have thousands and thousands of good, honest, hardworking cops, okay, who feel vilified by the actions of a very small minority, okay? And this is an opportunity to do this, to bring those two parties together and almost use CrossFit as a mediator, okay? Mm -hmm. And that functional fitness and, you know, let them watch a super fit cop do a hundred kipping pull-ups or butterflies or, you know, Murph. And then these kids sit there and they're like, you're not, what do you mean? You're not stopping to eat a donut, you know? So I think we really, this is the avenue that Sin and I have chosen and it's working. And I think somebody out there needs to realize that this is something that will work and will help heal to very good communities. What are some of the barriers that you guys see going forward with this? Um, I know you talked about wanting to have more events, um, ways for getting more people involved. I mean, what do you think are some things that you guys are facing going forward here? Well, we're, we're a nonprofit. Okay. NYPD CrossFit is a 501c3. We're a nonprofit, you know, and like most nonprofits, we, our biggest hurdles are always financial. Okay. We would like to have our own space, Okay, right now we share a space. We would like to have our own space that is fully equipped and we can open that space up. We can hold these CrossFit uh, scholarship coaching program, just like was done in, uh, at CrossFit Downtown Atlanta in uh, Mike Michalinas's, uh box, you know, and then use those kids who go through the program to coach and pay their way as sin with, as sin says that's sweat equity, you know, but our biggest hurdle as a nonprofit is that financial aspect and trying to get into our own space. And what does a typical box cost the outfit? 50, $60,000, you know, so that that's, I think the biggest hurdle for us to do it inside of a space, mm. continuing doing it outside. We'll do it until the snow starts hitting the ground. Right. That becomes the next hurdle. <laughs> yeah i would say um for me the biggest hurdle is trying to convince people that have never even been to new york city that this is probably the most uh bang for your buck like this is the easiest thing that you could get into with mm -hmm. the most amount of return so you can just imagine, I'm talking to guys in California, I'm talking to guys in Ohio, I'm talking to guys in Iowa. They've never even been to New York City. They do not understand actually what we're up against. So I'm trying to sit there and actually negotiate this or that, or, or I need this, you know, versus that. They just, it's very hard to paint that real picture for people or for people that could actually change this overnight because they just, they're not attached to it. They don't see what we see. They don't experience what we're experienced. They just don't understand us 
as New Yorkers, let alone right. as, you know, let's say Afrobrutality or, or NYPD CrossFit. Like they don't necessarily understand that, yeah, we don't have boys and girls clubs. You know, we, they don't have after school programs. And if they do, they're strenuous. There's waiting lists for most of them. There's all kinds of different types of requirements for most of them. And the kids that need this, discourageables, the ones that are probably super talented but have not had the chance to get exposed, these are the ones we're really after. And we saw it in the Bronx, right there in the projects. These are kids with triple extension. We haven't coached them a day. They already know how to take a heavy D ball, use their entire body to get it to their shoulder. And all I had to do was encourage them to keep trying. So I think it's what's happening. My biggest hurdle is I'm calling everyone for favors and I'm calling everyone I possibly can to make sure that this is this message is heard. But it's very hard to try to convince people that are not as close to it as myself and Ron, even you, Dr. West, like it's hard to try to convince them that what we did in Brooklyn, in East New York, where I don't even live, Rod doesn't live, and I had to right. call all kinds of people to bring their kids, was amazing that we pulled it off because it was a rainy day. So try to, try to, try to explain that to someone who's not a part of this particular situation is very difficult, which means the resources will come a little bit at a time with all kinds of rules and regulations what we really need to do is get someone that is willing to come out here and deal with quarantine if they got to go back home and really just take a look at this. When I talk to corporations, I say, our next event is this day. Come, send a representative. Our next event is here because once you sit there and see these children and the response that we're getting uh -huh. from the kids, you will understand how important this is. Yeah, and Ron, um, you're from... You had mentioned that you are sort of from a same same area as Sin or similar. Where are you? I'm you born and raised in New York City. You know, mm -hmm. I grew up in a part of Brooklyn. You know, I'm 51 years old. I grew up through the crack 80s and the crack 90s. And, I, you know, I, a lot of I've high school friends who overdosed on heroin. Two, one of my friends was shot and killed by another one of my friends who's now doing a double life sentence, you know, so I grew up in the city, you know, so, you know, I'm, I'm Puerto Rican. My parents both moved here. You know, my father slept in Central Park for his first three months living in the city. So I know what it's like, you know, this is not foreign to me to, to live in a community and to, to, you know, have a difficult financial time, you mm -hmm. know, and, you know, Sin and I being the same age, you know, we kind of have that similar background where, you know, we kind of had, you know, slightly rough upbringings, you know, and we, we witnessed a lot growing up. So I think there's a lot of similarity in that. Right. And um, I don't know if I'm supposed to jump in on that, but sure, what that's what makes this thing so beautiful, dude. It's almost like heaven sent that we're actually sitting there doing the same thing because we were doing it in our own ways, and mm -hmm. now we've come together to try to do this together for one common cause. And I think there's nothing more beautiful than that. But Ron and I know we're, we're dealing with the good kids, but our ultimate goal is to get the incorrigibles, these guys that may one day do something that's going to just cost them the rest of their life over right. some stupid emotional decision that they could just 
not do in the first place. But some of those kids just feel like they have no options. They're not going to be alive till they're 20 or 30 or whatever. So they make all these kind of stupid mistakes. And that ultimately are the type of community and kids that we want to reach because guaranteed there's some champions in there. But it's the process that we're willing to take that's going to take us from where we're at to where we need to be. And we just need resources without a lot of restrictions and rules because they just don't understand what we're dealing with. And no matter how many emails I send or conference calls I have or Zoom or whatever, it's very hard to articulate that unless you lived here as a New Yorker, unless you've experienced this as a New Yorker and you understand that it really starts with the kids. And if you can raise them right, You'll have a beautiful community long run. Yeah, I mean, so I, I so I, I grew up in Queens myself. Um, my mother's family's from Puerto Rico, um, and you know, I, I, growing up, like we didn't have we like you were saying before, sin like just certain areas you don't have access to certain sports. There's certain things that you never like. I I never like saw. I never kicked a soccer ball till I was like 14, and people were like, <laughs> "What?" And I was like, "I we just didn't do that. I, right. I never." cross stick in my life you know um so it was like stuff like that where um there's so much talent that's in the city with the very athletic people that if just given the opportunity you know it's crazy what can what can happen no doubt uh, i use tremendous value for you guys i mean just what you guys are doing for the kids it's the value behind it is more than a lot of people would realize unless they came up um, playing some kind of organized sport or having some structured system where they have a way to learn that their hard work can pay off and that they can achieve things that they thought they couldn't achieve through hard work and, and discipline and CrossFit's one big, big way that they can do that. And that's why I think this is so important. I, I often use an example. I told Sin this story. So growing up in my neighborhood, you played football, basketball, or baseball, you know, and you know, that, that was it. And, you know, my son, we, now live in a different part of the city, but my son wound up falling in love with the sport of wrestling when he was, when he started high school as a high school freshman and he just loved wrestling. He was just drawn to it. And I just watched this, this kid develop and fall in love with this sport. And then I started realizing that there were kids every, we traveled all over. We've traveled all the way down to Virginia for competitions as for, you know, to Boston, to New Hampshire, you know, uh, all over the place, Iowa. And my son was making all these friends. And one day we're at a, a, uh, a wrestling competition in Staten Island where we live. And this young man from Grand Street Campus, his young man's name is Marquise. Grand Street Campus is a high school in Williamsburg. And it's probably one of the most successful wrestling programs in the city. And the head coach is Steven Perez. So this young man, Marquise, is my son is, has to wrestle this kid, Marquise. And Marquise was a senior at the time. And my son was a, a sophomore. So my son wrestles Marquise, you know, loses to him. And this kid, Marquise, is walking around with tattoos. And, you know, he's a senior in high school. And he's got all these tattoos and everything. And here we are in Staten Island, and I come to find out that Marquise lives in the Marcy Projects mm-hmm. in, in, uh, in uh, Bedford-Stuyvesant, Brooklyn. Now, if you don't know the geography of Brooklyn, of New York City, this doesn't sound like a big deal that, you know, from one borough to the next. But Marquise had to, <laughs> yeah, 
Marquise had to get on a bus to get to the train, take that train from Brooklyn into Manhattan, take another train down to Southern Manhattan to take the Staten Island ferry to take a train to go to the end of Staten Island where this competition was. Okay. And when my son lost to him, Marquise came walking over and this is an incredibly white section of Staten Island. Marquise comes walking over to my son and he sees my son and I are talking and he says, excuse me, sir, can I talk to your son? And they wind up having a conversation about how and why my son lost, you know, what move it was that Marquise was able to catch my son. In. A couple of months later, I wind up talking to his uh, Marquise's coach, Stephen Perez, and I recount to him this story. And he starts telling me how this young man was always in trouble, was in trouble with the law, had been arrested a couple of times. And had it not been for wrestling, he would not be going to college in a couple of months, you know? So it was that organized system of wrestling, that discipline, because wrestling to me, I'm sorry, is the most disciplined sport you can have out there. All wrestlers will say that it's the greatest sport because it's the one that God invented first, you know, (laughs) and you know, it's, it's a complete culture just like in the CrossFit community where you share that pain, that sweat. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that you had asked that question about that discipline and organization and having that structure and wrestling introduced that to this young man, Marquise, and there's so many more like him. And I actually spoke to this kid Marquise once and I asked him, I was like, what got you into wrestling? And he was like, I suck at basketball. You know, and then he looked at me and he goes, not all black kids play basketball. And I was like, all right, no problem. You know, not all Puerto Ricans like rice and beans. So, which is not true in my case. I happen to love, (laughs) especially when my mom makes it. I'll get you some of that too, Dr. West. Thanks, appreciate it. Anytime. So, but, you know, we have to realize that there's more to these kids than one single sport just because of these stereotypes are based on where they live. I mean, I would call... CrossFit like a gateway drug. <laughs> I, know that sounds, I know that sounds weird, but you know, I have, I'll give you three examples. So I had three, primarily I started CrossFit with like six guys. Uh, it was actually five of us, four other people. And I had two girls, uh, ladies, of course. Um, one I named Rack. I gave everyone one nicknames. One was Rack. And I was able to take her from when I first, she first came in the gym, she could Press, push press about 155, which is insane already. By the time I was done with her, she could push jerk eh, maybe 275. When she came in, her squat was right two something. By the time I was done with her, it was like three something. Uh, same with her deadlift in the 400s. The second one, her name is Esco. Now I call her the Esco because she's like a machine. And she had some cross, uh, cross country running uh, background. She was from Mexico. But I just saw something in her and I just kept pushing her every day, pushing her every day and still was able to give her her passion, which was always running. But I was able to give her as much CrossFit as I possibly could or as much functional fitness as I could. And let me tell you, she actually probably about five or six years ago, she asked me to train her for her first marathon. And she did a marathon in Long Island. She came in fifth place. I'm not talking in her age group, fifth place. And every year after that, she has qualified for New York City, Boston, she's done Chicago, and pretty much all she does now is marathon running. And I was able to get that exposure to her, not just 
mainly more with the sweat equity, but I used as much functional fitness as I possibly could to get her strength levels there. But what I realized was if you are that particular type of coach that could find talent and just find a way to keep pushing them to try things that they've never tried before or weights that they've never tried before, you might mess around and find in them of something that's of self-confidence that gets them to push themselves from their, that point out. And I've always used functional fitness or CrossFit as a way to expose these people to their own talents. And most of these people, again, have gone on to do amazing things outside of CrossFit. So I use it as a way to bring them in, figure out where they're at, get their levels as high as I possibly could, whether it's endurance or strength or a combination of the two, and then they're out doing whatever it is they want to do in the world after that and still adhering to the principles that I set with them. And that's what I see us being able to do. Expose more kids to confidence levels that they've never had or instill confidence in them by saying, try this. Oh, look, you did it. Try it again. Oh, look, you did it. If Ron, well, you know, when we were in the Bronx, I'm just yelling at these kids, try it, keep trying, keep trying, keep trying, because... At the end of the day, no one is really telling them or encouraging them to do things mm -hmm. they've never tried before. No one's exposing them to different things that they've never even seen before. And in that little two hours or three hours that we were there, kids touched the kettlebell for a first time, sat to a medicine ball for the first time, picked up slam balls and D-balls for the first time. And all I kept doing was, I wasn't necessarily worried about the form, I was worried about their attitude. Are you going to just try that? Oh, no, it's too heavy. Tell me, you're going to have to show me it's too heavy. Pick that up. Oh, and all of a sudden, whoop, it's up. Do it again. Okay, do it again. Do it again. Do it again. <laughs> like, that's all that really needs to happen is exposure to more things and encouraging kids to try more things, even if they fail. CrossFit is serving, in this case, is serving so many purposes. So one is, a, it's a serving a fitness, it's a fitness space. Um, it's also a health space. And as Ron was talking before, it's also a healing space. Mm -hmm. You know, it's a place where everyone can kind of come together and be on the same page. And, and Ron, you've said this before that amongst the, the officers, when you guys work out, there's no rank, you know, you guys are all the same at that time. And similarly, when the, when the community workouts are happening, there's that, that sort of barrier dissolves, you know, everyone's yeah. just sort of on the same page, just trying to, trying to work out together and sweat together. <laughs> No, it's true. I mean, you know, you've been at workouts. Uh, the one that we did in uh, Morningside Park, we had a two-star chief, uh, Chief Martine Matarazzo, who's the commanding officer of counterterrorism. She was there, you know, and when she's worked out with us in the past, there has been no rank. Uh, recently retired Chief Lori Pollock used to work with us. And in, you know, in uniform, it was, hey, chief, how are you? You know, I throw her a salute in the gym. Hey, Lori, you know, there was no rank. And, you know, we have captains, deputy inspectors, lieutenants, sergeants, detectives. There's just, there's no rank. It's, you're here, it's Ron, it's Sin, it's Amy, you know, it's Matt. And everybody just works out and has a good time. And, you know, at the end of it, you break each other's chops about, you know, the shitty squat depth and not breaking parallel. <laughs> and nobody cares about anything else, you know, and it's great. And it's, it's. It's a unifier. You guys think that uh, what you're doing in uh, New York could be uh, taken to other areas um, in the United States? I mean, do you see 
I, I can see that there's a need for this probably in a lot more places. Mm. Oh, I would love to take this show on the road. Yeah, well, got a call yeah. today from the LAPD. Yeah, so I actually your wish, yeah. sir. Yeah, I've actually spoken to uh, George Ryan out in LA, mm. and we we've had a couple of conversations, and I told him that I was embarking on this, and he was like, "Dude, that is such a great idea." Yeah, you know, and I, I think this is something that we could do in any city in anywhere USA. You know, it's just people just have to be committed to doing it. Yeah. Resources need to be available. And they yeah. got to understand that it's a test thing. Don't hold us to standards that we can't meet. Like, meet us halfway. Don't give us a bunch of rules. Act like we've been doing this for a little while and just back us. Yeah, and I would love to, like, share this blueprint with, you know, departments across the country, Chicago, L.A., whatever you I, – I, I would love to share this, you know – Listen, reach out to us on our Instagram or our, our website or something, and, <laughs> you know, and we can talk. And I'll tell you how, you know, Sin and I started this and, you know, give you some ideas. Yep. Yeah, I've had people reach out to me on Instagram as well saying like, you know, this something that as a, from a medical perspective, from either like coaches, PTs, physicians mm -hmm. saying like how do i how do we make this happen in other places so i think there's definitely a need for it and a desire to do it so now it's just like finding logistically you know how, how to best make it happen which is a big problem but working on it right yeah but it's a good problem to have especially right now oh no doubt where can people find more information so you talked a little bit about the nypd um crossfit instagram sin of course has afro brutality um, and these are great accounts that you guys should check out. Is there a website for either of you guys that people can go to? And I can definitely plug those into the show notes as well. Uh, we're at nypdcrossfit.com. Uh, we're actually starting to rebuild our website a little bit because I kind of built it myself on a Friday night. Uh, <laughs> so let's just say I am not a web engineer. There we go. Uh, <laughs> so... So we're, we're going through the process of uh, rebuilding that a little bit. We have our Facebook page, which is also NYPD CrossFit, our Twitter, NYPD CrossFit, and our Instagram, NYPD CrossFit. I'm Coach of Afro-Brutality, and my personal page is Mr. Dotson. I uh, answer everything. I answer every DM. I answer every text message. You know, reach out. I'll have a conversation with you. I'd be glad to. Awesome. Anything else that you guys wanted to talk about or mention or say? If there's somebody out there that really wants to buy into this, okay, contact Cinerai. Yeah, you know, don't be shy. Or, or don't be shy. Or contact Dr. West. Yeah. You know, I mean, she's been she's been great with us. You know, she's appeared on a local news channel here in New York with us when we were talking about mental health and wellness with uh, Dr. Stephen Wachshell, who's a clinical psychologist that we've partnered up with. And there's another thing, um, he's actually done the research to show that high intensity functional fitness in intervals actually reduces stress because it releases the feel good hormones. So in other words, CrossFit's good for your brain, you know, so he's done that research and he shared that with us and, you know, he shared that with the department so i mean we need we need the resources yeah sin is right don't uh you know ron's taking more of that approach just stop your madness 
you know, clearly what we're doing is working. Um, just loosen up some of those resources. I'm never going to beg, you know, this needs to be done and we're going to find a way whether someone yeah. stepped up or not, whoever step, you know, unfortunately first right of refusal for the ones that step up, but less, less rules and regulations and let's more get to work. Awesome. I want to thank you guys both for coming on. I think what you're doing is so valuable and so important. Um, and just want to reiterate you guys, um, these guys need some resources to help them out. They're moving forward. They're doing a great thing. Um, so be sure to check them out. Awesome. Thank Thanks so much, guys.